Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to episode 119 of the Outside Centre Film Podcast. And don't worry, this is a safe place. The only thing you'll catch from myself and uh, Paul Devine, who is joining us for the first time, Hello. is the urge to go and watch some foreign language films. Well, that would be the plan. Uh, for me, Paul, it's not been the best week we've ever, ha- we've ever had in terms of the films we're going to review, but we will get into all that later. And of course, you may yourself disagree. Now, who is Paul Devine, since you haven't heard his voice yet or before on the on the podcast? Well, he's joining us once a month as a new member of the team. Uh, he comes from a very, very fantastic, distinguished uh, blog writing uh, background. He also wants to try a bit of our casting with us, which is great. Um, so, Paul, obviously, again, welcome. It's uh, great you. to have you on. We'll, we'll obviously learn about more about you throughout this episode and beyond. Um, now, it's suffice to say that you yourself quite love mm-hmm. uh, foreign language cinema. So we'll get to that in a very short while. But first of all, you are part of a blog that people have uh, been made aware of in our, plat- in our podcast platform page, where they can see the links to your, both your Twitter website and your website website for yeah. the people's movies. It's uh, consistently been voted... Uh, one of the top 10 film blogs of the whole of the UK. So my first question is, I mean, from fairly humble beginnings that you'll tell us about, I'm sure, um, you must be incredibly proud that you keep getting uh, this nomination. I'm actually, a whole of yours, uh, I'm actually, yeah, because uh, when I started it, and even to this day, I'm really the main man who write, uh, writes everything uh-huh. outside uh, the reviews. Uh, I'll get the, uh, like the editorial sides done. Uh, all the guys who do review for me are uh, are uh, the freelance. We do we do have a few who do it quite regularly for us, and I'm really proud that uh, over all these years, when I'm voted up against some really really big big websites, yeah, who have a lot of uh, writers uh, full time, I've, uh, I feel really proud that I'm getting voted next to them, and a lot of times it's just me. Yeah, I mean that that's absolutely right, um, and that's what that's why this podcast is, you know, from from our humble beginnings, you know, not very few podcasts um, actually do really focus on world cinema. I mean, your blog, yeah. um, your blog has everything. It does all sorts of things, and people know yeah. where to check it out. Um, people's movies, uh, Twitter, and obviously a website too, Facebook, and, and all the rest of it. Uh-huh. Um, but you yourself, you yourself. Um, yes, you have to cover everything because you get all sorts of wonderful screeners and you've been to a festival and you go to a lot of yep. festivals that we'll also talk about. Um, yep. but you yourself have a have a secret, maybe not even a secret, a passion for world cinema. What kind of things do you like to watch, Paul? Oh, well, you get you get 10 hours to or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try and cut it down. I'm a bit of a chatterbox, as you'll, you'll find it. Perfect for it, podcasting. Exactly, exactly. Uh, obviously, I... Uh, Things like a lot of us here, uh, Channel 4, Film 4, uh, when we was younger, Saturday night movies, all these sort of uh, weird uh, time French movies or <laughs> Japanese movies. Yes. It just fascinated me. And not realising, I live I live in Paisley, which is next to Glasgow, the biggest city in Scotland. Uh, they've got a fabulous cinema there uh, called the, the Glasgow Film Fit, which is also known as the GFT by locals. It's it's been around for hundreds of years, but it's only been called the GFT since the 1970s, and it's like regarded as one of Scotland's and it's one of the longest running art house independent world cinema places. So uh, films that I like, I love uh, Asian cinema, especially Hong Kong cinema, and the GFT is where I saw uh, John Woo's Hard Boiled, uh, and that, that introduced me to uh, a, 
a fabulous uh, subgenre. Uh, I mean, it's an as you know, it's an action thriller. And a lot of the choreograph scenes in it are what a lot of the modern day blockbusters have sort of adopted into their own. Uh, it's very obviously it was a very moody, very complex uh, sort of drama as well, and it was just a violent ride. And I was just it introduced me to John Woo's films, Chow Yun Fat, who was like one of the main stars. Tony Leung as well, who people might know from things like 2040, uh, many others, uh, tw- sorry, 2046. Uh, so I love I love uh, Hong Kong thrillers. Uh, other Asian movies I do like, say, Kwa Kwa Wai Wong. Uh, do forgive me for these uh, pronunciations. Oh, no, no, of course. Do you think we, we know any better? We've got English mouths as well, me and Ben. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, there twenty forty six, which I just uh, your eyes are just suggested when you watch that. It's just a beautiful film, you know, very fatalistic, romantic story. Uh, my other big thing that I do love is French thrillers. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Jean Pierre Melville films, and especially like Le Cercle Rouge. I just love that film. To me, that's the ultimate heist movie. Uh, people going about other. I think things like Michael Mann movies would never exist without uh, without uh, Jean Pierre Melville's films. They're just so fantastic. And if you want to go even better than that, the weirdest, widely totally bonkers films like Holy Motors. What a film that was! Uh, it's a film you really have to see. Seeing yeah. is believing. You know, it's I could say all these words, and it's like. It's all about just go and see it, you know. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of film that you could actually dedicate an entire podcast to just on that one film or two films. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you'll get on with Ben because Ben loves his French cinema. I hate <laughs> French cinema. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no I, I, I actually encourage the pair of you. Um, I made a pledge in the film of the year episode of 2019 uh-huh. that um, I will refuse to watch any Ben Woodyus. Um, French movie that he recommends because the only French films I actually ever enjoy are the ones that I put forward because I want to watch them. But when I say things like that, I'm actually kind of putting a red rag, red rag in front of a bull to actually encourage you to do more, just to yeah. kind of prove me wrong or just to provoke me or something. So please yeah. do not hold back on that. I mean, we've got a French film coming up later, so you can yeah. pretty much predict how that's going to go from my end at least. But uh, <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, and actually, now that you now that you you're part of us for a bit, um, yeah. it would be great to actually get some Hong Kong cinema on the podcast. Um, we do a lot of Japanese stuff on here. We do uh-huh. a fair amount of Korean stuff, but Asia has many countries cinemas that we just don't we don't cover. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that obviously Thailand's got a big scene, Vietnam's got a big scene, yeah. um, and we just we well part of it is the fact we can't actually ever get access to any of these things because um, they just don't appear. But um, yeah, we, we so by all means, uh, I look forward to using your connections to get us some. Some should we quote unquote obscure um, Asian cinema? That would be absolutely fantastic. Hopefully, yeah. So uh, speaking of, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. You've uh, very, you like me. You're, you're a humble, humble film fan that also has to do with <laughs> other things for a living. But yep. uh, find plenty of time to do this kind of thing as, and write blogs and stuff. So uh, that being said, you uh, you, you get a, quite a few invites to festivals and things, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can't quite, you won't be one of the top ten blogs without covering the festivals. So. Yep. One that's close to your home, Glasgow Film Festival, probably down the road from yes. yourself or, or something along those lines. Uh, let's have from you then, obviously without going into every single film that you've seen because you probably saw a few dozen if yeah. not more. Um, something that surprised you and something that really, really pissed you off because that's how this podcast tends to be. We either get surprised or we get well and truly pissed off. So something good, something bad from Glasgow Film Festival. 
well, Roy Anderson movies. Uh, yes. Oh, well, yes. We both, uh, me and Ben, can't wait to see this. You've obviously got there before us, but um, yeah. Endlessness, yeah. Yeah, about Endlessness, that was just wow. Well, uh, obviously, I'm not going to try and say his last film's name again. But uh, the, the one of, yeah. of Ranch reflecting on the meaning of existence, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, my film, yeah. my film of the decade, my film of the last decade. Yeah. What a funny, funny film! You know, it's very Kafka, Kaf, uh, yep. comedy. I mean, it's uh, it's it, it, it's just so <laughs> surreal. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. About Endless, maybe it's not as funny, but it does have have its moments. I mean, it's very poetic, uh, and it's just so bleak, you know, about the human race and that. And it's <laughs> some of the things in it, I really need to just see it. Uh, well, that's what I loved about A Pigeon was so beige. Like, every yeah. single scene was like he, he went on the computer and, like, drained the colour out of each and every scene. Yeah. Yeah, you do have that in this film as well. Excellent. Uh, as I described it, as if Bergman done Kafka, it would be a Roy Anderson movie. Or if, or if Bergman was actually any good. Um... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right, that's pissed off some of the some of your blog followers already. But anyway, they'll yeah. get used to it. They'll get used to it. So yeah, we'll, we will. Me and Ben will will do that, um, and hopefully we'll as, we'll love it as much as uh, as you do. Uh, something that something that really annoyed you from the festivals, a film that you you know either had good expectations but just let you down, or it was just a flat out stunky film. What was it? What would you say? Uh, it was actually a a Uruguayan stroke Argentinian movie. Uh-huh. Uh, part part of the the Glasgow Film Festival was the last weekend. Uh, it was Glasgow Fright Fest. Yes. Which is the the second home of the London Free Fest, which will happen this summer. They had this uh, very slow burning uh, revenge movie. It was just like four. It was called In the Quarry, uh, with four friends uh, are just sitting there and they're just drinking away in a summer summer's day. And it's so weird. You're just sitting and going, right? Is anything going to happen? <laughs> and and then right at the end, bang! It oh, okay. happens, but it happens. You know that way. Personally, me if the the film has to catch my interest in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And if it doesn't catch the first 10 minutes of the movie, I'm like uh, twiddling my thumbs, fingers, uh, trying to do something else, or I'll just walk out the cinema. I've done that in play stage. <laughs> I walked out the cinema and just looked at my mobile phone. More interest. Uh, this one was just so slow. It was just, you just lost interest, basically. Uh, it just wasn't good. I mean, it was just. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, as, as I'm sure, I mean, that, I mean, that's always a debate to have, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. pacing of a movie is so important, obviously. But I mean, I've equally seen those kind of films where nothing does happen for a while, and yet I, I have been completely and utterly engrossed with it. So it's really, really hard to kind of pin down wow. and say. But even if you put these two films together, for example, that you're yeah. quite one, and anyone that I could mention that I did have a similar experience with, but enjoy. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to kind of say what one did yeah. better than the other if they're both doing the same. Yeah. Thing. That's why it's the entirely personal thing, which is why we need two presenters to do this podcast. Which is why we need lots of people blogging about films. <laughs> the more opinions we can get on them, the better, and it opens the debate yeah. up. So, uh, we, I, th- I have a feeling, uh, Paul, that we're going to have a little bit of a conflict ourselves with these three films we were about to respond <laughs> to. I don't know why. I mean, by all intentions, I hope we have complete agreement, but. Uh, as I say, yeah. for me, it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, <laughs> it does happen. Unfortunately, it does happen. So let's get let's go to work. Um, 
We're going to start off with Atlantics. Uh, we don't always do it alphabetically, but this time we're going to start off with A for Atlantics, which was Senegal's foreign language Oscar nomination for this year. And it's about, well, Paul, I don't have a bloody clue what it was about, to be honest with you. I think it was something about a woman whose boyfriend disappears out at sea because he didn't get paid on the construction site. Uh, then she gets married, uh, but her marital bed gets set on fire. Uh, she gets arrested, accused of arsoning that marital bed. Uh, then the boyfriend comes back, or does he? Um, and I didn't really get anything else after that, to be honest with you. It's on Netflix, if uh, if you give a shit. Because uh, I sure as hell don't, Paul, basically. <laughs> I've not got that much to say on it, because I just didn't click with it at all. I just don't see the point of it. It's not quite artistic enough for me. It's not entertaining enough for me. And if you're not going to be one of those two things, then yeah. what is the point? It's actually got nothing to say, which is the biggest problem I have with this film. I, I'm looking for any sort of subliminal message about anything. I didn't quite get anything at all. It isn't art. It isn't entertainment. So basically, I had to wait for what felt was three hours for something to happen. It was actually, yeah. it was actually, it was actually exactly fifty-five minutes for something to happen. Something vaguely interesting to happen, and uh, I, I kind of want people to see this scene and then don't bother watching anything before or after, which is why I want to talk about that scene. And obviously you, you can come in as well in a bit. Um, it's the scene, and I'm going to call them wags, like wives and girlfriends. Construction <laughs> yeah. <brand>. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, because a lot of the lads have gone off to sea to, to get work elsewhere and haven't returned, the wags, the wives and girlfriends of these construction workers took it upon themselves to go to one of the manager's houses in the dead of night and kind of sit in his living room, waiting for him to come back, um, to kind of scare them, to scare him into paying, the, like, giving them giving them the money that they believe they're owed. Now, it's not just merely a bunch of women sitting in a room waiting for a manager to come back from work. They actually all take this sort of exterior form that they whiten their eyes yeah. uh, with some sort of contact lens or something to kind of make them stand out in the dark a bit more. It's a visually fascinating scene that that was by far and away the only thing of, of value in this movie for me. Like at that moment, I was watching this. Like, this is the first time I actually felt like I was watching watching a piece of art. Like I, it was almost like that was the scene that got the film the nomination for the Oscar category. And it's like, okay, fine. What else have you got? Sadly, nothing. But that particular scene was very interesting. Otherwise, lots of boring police conversation taking place that just goes on and on and on endlessly. Yeah. I was just, I mean, Paul, it, over to you, I was basically bored shitless and this is not my film of the week. Yeah, it's yes. not me neither. <laughs> yeah. Exact same, I would just, it, when, I, when I watch films, uh, I've got on my laptop, which I'm speaking to you through at the moment, and I've got a little tablet so yeah. obviously because it was on Netflix, I'm able to watch it on my tablet. And I'm so I'm looking over and I'm like, come on, something just going to happen here. <laughs> I say, I've seen this, this first uh, uh, podcast, it's just going to be a disaster. <laughs> and yeah, it's the exact same thing. Whoa, I says, come on. And then when I saw it, whoa, where did they come from, you know? And uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, uh, where did it come from? I mean, I, I was reading like reviews and things saying it's a gothic tale. And I mean, no, it's not. No, it isn't. <laughs> I mean, to me, Gothic Tales something like Del Toro would do, you know. Uh, and I'm like, no, it's not a Gothic Tale. And where did it come from, you know? And it, it, there wasn't any sort of explanation where that actually came from. No, I, no. You, you really have to go and 
research if, if you really liked that much, which I didn't read, you didn't. No. Uh, and I'm just like, no, this is just... If that happened maybe 15 minutes into the movie, I thought, yeah, let's see where it goes. And that was the best scenes when they turned their eyes. And, <laughs> and, you, know, and, you know, other than that, yeah, I totally agree, you know. I mean, this film's actually going to be released in the UK through Criterion Collection. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean let's be fair, let's be fair. Criterion love a good tick box. Oh, if they can tick a box, they'll tick it. For them to put an African film on Blu-ray... Oh, that you know, when the inspectors come round, have you been ticking your boxes recently? They yeah. can say, Yes, look at our African film we've got on special edition Blu-ray. And then, you know, let's be you know I, I don't I don't know enough about Senegalese f- uh, films to know whether this is a good or a bad film. And it, and actually we don't often judge things by their passport. So I'm not gonna write off the entirety of Senegalese's film output. No. It's just that I would hope that the next time I see a Senegalese film, it's better than this. This is not as good as the stuff that I've seen from Egypt. From uh, Morocco, from Mali, like this yeah. is, you know, I mean, Timbuktu that got nominated for an Oscar was a, you know, was a borderline masterpiece a few it years. Was, back. Yeah. That was an outstanding film from a highly decorated from a highly decorated director um, yeah. who, has, who who normally wins whenever he gets nominated for anything. Like, I'm sorry, that has to be the standard for me, and I appreciate that not everyone can be that good, but conversely, this this offers so little to anybody. Even though it's on Netflix, I can't even recommend it for a Sunday afternoon. No, there are better Sunday afternoon films than this. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, shall we? Back, well, I'm in agreement. Everybody, if you really want to, well, surely the comedy it can be that. But yes, it is that bad. We trust yes. us as we know. But go onto Netflix, find Atlantics, fast forward to the scene where they whiten their eyes and sit in a darkened room. It's it, it's a masterpiece moment in a miserable miserable film, uh, <laughs> and then uh, and maybe check out one of the other ones we'll talk about to get over the fact of how bad Atlantics is. Yeah. Now, portrait of a lady on fire is doing the rounds at the moment. I know Curzon Cinema in London's doing a lot of it. Uh, it won't be too far away from a Blu-ray DVD release. Uh, Paul, introduce and what is portrait of a lady on fire? Okay, the portrait of Lady on Fire is from a French director called Celine Schiama. She's well known for uh, Tomboy and Girlhood, which was her last movie. Yeah. Uh, it's set in 18th century France. Uh, it stars Naomi Merlant, who's like a French painter, who's commissioned uh, by an affluent countess to paint a wedding portrait for her daughter, Heloise Adele Hanel. Uh, if anyone's seen any of the Arden movies, Brothers movies, the last one, The Unknown Girl, she was the main uh, actress in that. So obviously she's uh, the portraits for her uh, wealthy uh, husband. Yeah. So basically what they do, they're, they go to this little island where the two of them are in, just for the with, with all, all the the servants, it's a chance for them to actually paint this picture, and slowly the two of them get closer and closer together, very imp- intimate, and then obviously the attraction blossoms, yeah, and it's it becomes like a star-crossed romance type thing. It's a very heart heartbreaking period, and it's also as the the uh, synopsis says, it's a modern feminist energy film. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I knew the fem- I knew the feminist would put the claws into this thing. It's uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, if you the way you look at it is for years in cinema, 
uh, we've seen films from a male gaze point of view. This is essentially the opposite way around from a female gaze yeah. uh, type thing. Uh, you know, uh, how we describe it? I mean, some are calling it a radical film. I, I could call it a radical film, especially now. Uh, a lot of LGBT movies, which this could be considered as. I agree. Yeah, it has come more mainstream. Rather than calling it an, I don't like calling it an LGBT movie. I just call it a romance movie because yeah, yeah. obviously we're more together now. As in, no one really cares if it's male or male, female or female. It's the romance of the film. It's a very voyeuristic film, I believe. And obviously, it's the gaze is very always looking for pleasure, even objectifying. Uh, in a dominant way of looking as well. And this is, as I said, it's very radical. Uh, it's, it's, it celebrates a sort of female uh, love. Uh, but it's also not just about uh, the, the, the romance between the two actu- uh, 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 ladies. It also celebrates a sort of, uh, uh, art, female art as well. Because yeah. there, is, there is one scene near the end of the movie where uh, Marianne, is uh, exhibiting uh, one of her uh, pictures, and this man comes up, and she actually says it's a f- she that it was a father's. It's uh, telling you what type of world, uh, a time they lived in, where women can really do these things. Yeah. Though she kept saying to the, the man, "Yeah, it, it was it was actually me, but I had to put it through my father's name." And you know, it was a it's a world where the men. Whatever they said, that was absolutely it. male dominated society. Yeah. Let's be fair, we still we still here now. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um... I mean, I mean, I believe the the scenes where Marianne kept speaking to Helice's uh, mother. To me, I believe she was like the 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 type of lady that society of that time, uh, what these two women should be like. Yes, and whatever the father says or the husband, uh, the male head of the family says, that's that's a, that's what it is. You don't, yep. you don't, you don't do anything. I mean, there was bits where you seen him uh, smoking uh, pipes, which I found quite unusual uh, because it's obviously ladies do smoke, but you never never see films where they're smoking pipes. That much is true, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's a lot of taboos in the film, which was breaking down as well. Uh, I mean, it's I like the movie, and I don't know, as you said yourself, uh, French movies are not your your first hell, you know. <laughs> no, um, well, I mean, yeah, I don't have lust for uh, po-faced period pieces at the best of times, yeah. Paul. Uh, less further still. French po-faced period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's reviewed extremely highly uh, because, I mean, I think you've alluded to it there. Quite clearly, you know, to my eyes as well, it's a film that takes itself extremely seriously. Yeah. Like, the acting at all times is very, very serious. Like, I swear I swear, it was like 35, 40 minutes until anybody cracked a smile. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's trying extremely hard to be an extremely good and successful film, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, this, spare me movies like this, obviously. Yeah. I'd even put Atlantics above this. Like, yeah. I would recommend this film to a very specific type of person. Now, I'm glad to say that 
all of our lovely listeners, uh, including you listening right now, yes, you do not fall into this category. You yourself as a new member of the team do not fall into this category, Paul. I know you don't. Yeah. People that do fall into the category of people who love this film are literally the people who whose idea of watching films is literally lying on a sofa, scrolling through whichever streaming service you pay for, you beat and then you go through past all the British comedies you've seen a hundred times. Yeah. You've been past all the A minus B plus Hollywood crap that you've seen all the, a bunch of times and have no desire to see again. And you realise you've actually seen nearly all of the three films on this thing. Then something like Portrait of a Lady on Fire comes around and you think, oh, that's that's different. And because it is so different to what you normally watch, it, it is automatically amazing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, because it looks a different film, it sounds a different film, the subject's different, all the things that you've described about this film that, that are radical and that do things differently. I'm not going to dispute any of that. Yeah. But if you do, if you watch so many pieces of world cinema, nearly all of them are far more interesting than something like this. Yeah. Because this is just essentially, you know, miserable people having miserable lives, doing <laughs> miserable things. And yes, there's some romance. But I've read reviews where people said this romance was so subtly done. What film were they watching, Paul? It's very yeah. obvious, very obvious and unsubtle that the two women have a thing for each other very early on. It's the eyes, it's the looking at each yeah. other, looking away, looking at one, looking away, looking at one. That happens really early. So how is that subtle? Yeah, no, it's not. It's definitely I, not. I just, you know, again, it's a thing of like, you know, let's have lots of more opinions on these things because there are so many people saying the wrong things about this kind of film. Of course you may enjoy it and I may not enjoy yeah. it. That's absolutely fine. But when you're saying things like the subtle, you know, the underhand, subtle, sneaky romance of it, there's nothing underhand about this. It's in your no. face, miserable romanticism of a period where everybody was miserable. So, again, if, if that is the point, well done, you've pissed me off because I'm now... <laughs> like, I, I mean, it doesn't help that it's French, and that's always going to be an issue. And, of course, it doesn't take long, like any French film... I think I don't think they quite talk about literature, but they do reach for books quite early yeah. on. No, they don't. Juliette Binoche is not there this time to talk about yeah. books, but you know they're going to talk about books at some point. It's just you know it, it's just everything's so bleak. It's uh, and, and actually here's my thing. My, the moment I knew this film wasn't for me, a it was when it started and it was French. Let's be fair, but let, let, you know, let's not be facetious about it. The moment I knew this film was not for me was when one of the characters—I can't remember which one of the characters it was—I uh, think it happens around half an hour in. She says, "Organ music is pretty but bleak." That is a line from the movie, and you know what? That sums up this film perfectly for me. It encapsulates Portrait of a Lady on Fire perfect for me. Yeah. The setting is pretty. The painter is pretty. The lady of the house is pretty. The young servant is pretty. The cliffs are pretty. The candlelight meals are pretty. The dresses are pretty. However, everything is also completely bleak. You know, bleak, if you want to define bleak as something being charmless and inhospitable and dreary, the characters are charmless, inhospitable and dreary. Therefore, for me, the film is charmless, inhospitable and dreary. So there you go. Just like the organ music, that is what this film is to me. Yeah, hated it, and it's pissed me <laughs> off. And, and just you know, this is just going to get the rounds that so many other more deserving films. People said this should have been France's uh, Oscar nomination for the foreign language film. Haven't seen the Miserable, the documentary thing that that they actually did put forward for it. I, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, just the, the fact that France themselves didn't put it forward. I mean, who knows why that is? I mean, maybe yeah. they just don't feel comfortable in putting a lesbian film forward, which is what essentially 
Well, that's a bit harsh, but it's sort of what it is. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I don't know whether they obviously didn't feel comfortable enough doing that. They have done it in the past, so I wouldn't necessarily say that was an issue. Um, mm, I don't know. Uh, it's not my film of the week. <laughs> it's, well, what I mean, I was probably a little bit more enjoyed it a little bit more. Yes, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a masterpiece either. No. To me, it's just a. Uh, at my website, I use uh, the sort of five star rating. To me, it's in the three star. It's oh, in the middle. Okay. I mean, it's it's got its benefits, but, uh, but it's got a lot of meh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a solid movie, but as in a masterpiece, no, maybe not. Which unfortunately is what a lot of people have been saying. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, let's conclude with identifying features, and uh, we're we're off to Sundance 2020. Basically, this is where that's come from. Uh, as I've said already, I've opened my mind up. It's been a struggle of a week this week. It's been difficult. Yeah. Um, so basically, for me, choosing film of the week this week was basically about which one I can tolerate the most as opposed to which one I love the most. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so with somewhat of an empty victory, I have to say that Identifying Features is actually my film of the week. Uh, it's a Mexican film directed by Fernanda Valadez. Uh, as I say, it's done the rounds at Sundance and, and went down a storm there. Uh, and it's basically about a mother who searches for her lost son, who she believed crossed the border into the United States. Um, and the film's basically, where's my son? Where's my son? Uh, oh, there he is. Oh, what's he doing? Kind of thing. Um, and it's reviewed, again, it's reviewed very well. It won a couple of awards at the festival. Uh, and to be fair, and this is why it's my film of the week, I could, that, that there is some merit to this film for me, at least in terms of the film's composition, Paul. Yeah, uh, it's by far and away the best thing about this film. It's beautiful looking film. Um, there are so many shots that kind of carry serious artistic merit. Like Atlantic's had one for me, the one that we've talked about. Yeah, lots of women sitting in a in a in a in a room far above their economic status with whitened eyes. Very dramatic. Uh, Portrait had barely nothing. <laughs> Whereas this <laughs> had several several moments of. Not even scenes that meant anything. Just films yeah. that kind of like uh, scenes that kind of added to the film's overall tapestry of making you realise that this is a piece of film. Yeah. Uh, just things like um, leaves blowing and like an, uh, one in particular that stands out is like an up, there was like an upside down tracking shot of the sky. Yeah, that was um, that was good. And, like, does not add anything other to the film viewing experience, yeah. which is important because you then become engrossed in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it, it, stuff like that and there were lots and lots of things like that I'm not going to mention anymore because I want people to I actually want people to watch this film this is the one that I'm recommending the most uh, the, the story itself Paul it meandered a bit too much for me and that's quite a strange thing to say because normally when films meander they yeah. kind of go through all these different things like a meandering river hence the name there's lots of different things lots of different people lots of different places this film does not have that and yet it's still meandered to me like yeah. basically, I wasn't some. I wasn't quite sure. Often during this movie, whether there were across the border or there were before the border, like yeah. it doesn't actually become quite. It doesn't make it that obvious because obviously the difference between the two is actually is actually minimal anyway. You know, South of America, North of Mexico does kind of meld into one, and you do kind of need to become aware of where they are at that point in the movie. Um, is she actually close to her son? Is she not close to her son? And for me, I actually really struggled to ascertain where yeah. characters were in this movie. 
Um, and it actually, it was a very slow film as well. Yeah, um, it definitely was. I was, <laughs> I was engaged enough, um, but it didn't stop me getting lost. And, you know, to be fair, again, I do want to try and be positive about what is supposed to be my film of the week. There's a twist at the end, which we're not obviously going to spoil. Nope. Um, but we can't not, not mention it either because we are film reviewers here. So let yeah. me say it like this. It involves one of the characters manifesting into a mythical figure. Yeah. Um, now, I don't actually like that particular twist. Um, it, the, the execution of it was a bit mediocre. I think it was actually a bit senseless. You could actually have made a, a similar point without a manifestation taking place. It was a bit more nuanced and a bit more of the things. Um, I didn't quite like the twist, but it was necessarily, it does jolt you from your seat when it happens because it is out there compared to the meandering middle. So the sharp kind of ending that does happen with the twist is interesting. Um, so for me, coming over to you, Paul, it's nearly a great film. It could have been a great film. Uh, it's not there, but I would still just about recommend it. Yeah, I would as well, actually. Uh, I totally agree with it. It was a very slow-burning movie. Right away, you get told, right, this is what the story's going to be. And then suddenly, you, something happens, which gets the mum to go on the search to find her son. Uh, as in that shot you're telling about the cheese, all says it's very Stanley Kubrick of a certain yes, okay. uh, iconic horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, which a lot of the modern sort of, you know, your A24 sort of type horrors have been uh, hijacking. They've always got a scene where these cheese go the opposite way. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, mad, I'm a, a hardcore horror fan as well. Okay. Uh, a fan as well, then. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. And the one horror film I did see uh, uh, part of Fright Fest was uh, St. Maud. Uh, which was enjoyed. Uh, yeah, so it, it, I think in the middle is. I totally agree. Uh, it, it sort of loses it loses its momentum. You're going right. What's going on here? Right. Is she just keep travelling and travelling? I meant she's going to find this bus driver. Because <laughs> at points, uh, her son goes in a, a bus, and she hey, finds out about this bus driver. But the lady in the office would not let her get near the bus or tell if that person was here. Yeah, uh, and then, lost, yes, very lost. Yeah, uh, and then obviously we follow a story of another person as well. Eventually, the stories do clash. Uh, only extremely briefly, Paul. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, like, a proper portmanteau, a portmanteau film kind of does it all the way through, and then it, and then the film actually yeah. ends. This kind of portmanteau, and it's not a portmanteau film. That's the thing I have to stress. It's a very small window portmanteau. Yeah. Like it's literally what. 15 20 minutes, you see this other woman involved, and then she yeah. completely goes off to this. <laughs> what happened to her then? It's like, yeah, <laughs> exactly, very strange. Oh. It was, uh, and then, I mean, there was a scene where she goes in this boat, a bit like the <laughs> you know, the bit where you know, like they say, when you die, they put coins in your eyes for this. Yes. <laughs> it, it felt a little bit like that. I think she was going over, uh, and what was strange, but I found it quite intriguing as well, was, yes, yeah, she's speaking in Mexican, but the person she was speaking to was speaking a whole different language and there was no subtitles. And yes, it's, um, that's right, yeah. And and it felt 
I quite like when that happens sometimes. I do, I love it, yeah. I love it, it sort of throws you in the deep in it, it gives you that, it, like, um, right, what's going on here, what's going on? Please tell me, someone tell me that scene, and then go towards the scene that you were mentioning. I actually liked uh, the way they, they constructed the scene, but as you said, it, it, sometimes it felt a bit out of place as well in uh, this mythical creature that you, you've mentioned as well and yeah. using all the sort of blood and shots uh, very th- I think this is where the, the director takes in uh, her, uh, her uh, art house tropes her, her art house roots because it was very if someone's very into their art house uh, cinema yeah. they, would lo- they would really adore that type of uh, filmmaking and that scene and obviously there's other things that do happen. Obviously, we don't want to say, we want people to see it. Mm-hmm. I think the film uh, may play Sundance London as one of the movies. I, do, I really do. I think yeah, it will yeah. be. I think it will be one of Sundance, which should be good, obviously, for some of your viewers, some of the viewers to uh, get a chance to actually see it in person as well. Because at the moment, uh, this could be a movie where you hear us reviewing it, maybe other places reviewing it, and then suddenly, where did it go? And then about a year later, it appears in some sort of streaming <laughs> service, or as a lot of films now, uh, straight to digital download as well. And there you go. My God, when did that come out? Because I'm, I'm seeing a few films that I've seen the past year and not realising they've actually came out. But I did actually, after that, that's probably my uh, movie. That when... You gave me the three movies, we discussed the three movies we were going to review. That was the one I'm thinking, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and, and, and it's the one, as, as I said about the Glasgow Film Festival over there, it wasn't full of big mainstream, well-known big movies. No, so no. as the old saying is, don't judge a book by its cover until you actually see the movie. And a lot of films that I was seeing there, I was like, hmm, nah, I actually really liked them as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely my film of the week as well. Or uh, film of the month. Now, how about that? You know the amount of times that me and Ben have been doing this and then me and, me and other presenters have never come to an agreement? You've come on here for your first episode and you've you, you've matched my views pretty yeah. much. Uh, you're a lot more sympathetic towards the French thing. That's fine. Uh, some people have to be. God help you. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there we go. We've got a joint film of the week, identifying features. Yes. That, I mean, that is the thing. We, we um, As people know, to watch the films that we talk about, you often have to get, shall we say, creative in yeah. finding the films, watching the films. But that is part of that is part of what we do, unfortunately, simply because uh, we are not all blessed to have a wonderful local cinema like yourself and like Ben, who's also blessed with a lovely art house. <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but if you're willing to put up with subtitles, you're willing to get creative yeah. to watch films. It's all part of the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah. Well done, well done, Paul. You've, uh, you've you. successfully navigated the shaky waters of the Outside Centre Film Podcast. <laughs> a lot, a lot more shaky waters than the waters that the woman who randomly went on a boat and identifying features went on to. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that boat about? I'm going to think of go lie down in a dark room and think about a boat for yeah. a bit. Right. <laughs> you will be back. You will be back in April. Uh, I myself. Yeah. I myself will be back with Ben in a couple of weeks, where we've got more films to talk about. So. Uh, once again, uh, Paul will be with us once a month. So by all means, please check out at the People's Movies and the People's Movies website. Consistently voted one of the best top 10 UK uh, film blogs in the UK. Marvellous stuff indeed. So Thank you. Until, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there and see you very soon.